0: What does a healthy church look like in one in which we care about one another? One in which we live in submission to the Holy Spirit and to each other. And in all of our relationships, we maintain a posture of humility.
1: Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives.
0: This morning, I'd like to turn our attention to the first letter of Peter, uh, chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading with verse 1. The title of my message today is The Character of a Healthy Church. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away in the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble I want to give you the gist of this sermon in one statement so that if you happen to fall asleep you'll at least get something to take home and think about during the week and here's the gist here's the issue at stake A healthy church is a church with healthy relationships. And if you will look at the text carefully, you will see that Peter addresses three groups of people. And in each case, he calls them to pay special attention on how they relate to other members of the body of Christ. First, he speaks to the elders. And he says the elders of the church are to shepherd the flock. In other words, they are to care for them. And then he goes on to speak to the young people. And his word to the young people is that you are to be submissive to the elders. And then finally he addresses everyone in the church, to all. That would include everyone. And he commands all of us, all of us that a spirit of humility should characterize our lives. Caring, submission, and humility. Folks, these aren't just helpful suggestions or a set of rules that we're to live by. These help define our lives together and they teach us how to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now some would say, that what a healthy church is, is a church that is just committed to the authority of the Bible. If you're committed to the authority of the Bible, that's all you need to be a healthy church. Well, it is so important that we are committed to the, to the authority of the scriptures. Now, others would say that uh, a healthy church is one that is uh, m- making inroads and in building its constituents, and the church is growing in numbers and reaching out and bringing people into the church. That's the ultimate sign of a healthy body, they say. Or many would say it's in the programs. If you've got... Uh, very successful and outstanding programs that can boast of big budgets. That's the direction of the church. That's how it will have its greatest impact. That's how it would be healthy. But if I read Peter correctly here, we can have all of those. We can have our authority to the scriptures. We can be a growing church. And we can have outstanding programs and still not be a healthy church. Peter is motivated by the gospel. He's not promoting his own agenda. He's not defending his own ministry. So what directives does he give in this realm of human relationships? First of all, to the elders. To the elders, Peter gives this challenge, care for the flock. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Now, as I read this, I want to suggest that we can be too rigid in our interpretation of this passage. What I mean is that when we, we read what Peter says, uh, that to the elders I appeal, it would be easy for us to say, well, that's not me. I, I'm not an elder in the church. I'm just going to check out here. It has no application to me at all. No. No. The elders are given this charge not because it is their sole responsibility to care for and shepherd the flock. It's given to the church as well that we as a church can become models of caring. That's what the church is called to be. It's called to be a culture of caring. The idea is that the church will take on the character of its leaders. And that's why he addresses the leaders. So, in calling the leaders to be shepherds, Peter does an interesting thing here. He spends two verses speaking to the motives, the motivation for their leadership. And according to Peter, motives is everything. It's in the motives of the church that we are empowered to become a countercultural movement. A movement that challenges the basic tenets of the culture in which we live, not buying into them. And so he spends this time telling us it's not just what you do, it's why we do it that's important. I can use as an example of this. Many of you are, I'm sure, aware and many of you are probably a part of some wonderful social organizations in our world that give excellent care. They feed the hungry. Uh, They provide support for grieving widows. They provide many goods and services that are very useful to a large number of people. So, what's the difference? What's the difference in what they do And what we do, we both give care. The difference should be that we do it with gospel motives. It's not just what we do, it's why we do it. And so Peter challenges us with these three motives. The first is this, not because you must, but because you're willing and I think what Peter is bringing to our attention is something we probably already know. Is that you can go through the motions of giving care. You can go through the motions of ministry and being doing what God tells you to do. But your heart just not be in it. Now we have a number of caring ministries at First Presbyterian Church. I have the privilege of being the pastor over most of them. And I can tell you that one of the things that I have to remind all of our lay leaders and caregivers, and that is that we're not doing this out of a sense of obligation. We're not doing this because we're nice people. We hope we are nice people, but that's not why we're doing it. We do it because we're willing. We're doing it because we're trying to live out the call of the gospel in our lives. And as we care for those in need, we are adorning the gospel. We are magnifying the grace of God in this world so that they can see what a God we serve. You see, it's not about us. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he challenges us in our motives. We don't do this because we're trying to please people. To not do this because of the pangs of guilt that tell us that we ought to be doing this, that, or the other, or to feel good about ourselves. It's not about that. Listen to what Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. Look, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also share our comfort abounds through Christ. You see, he's talking about the gospel. He says it's about the gospel. It's about suffering with Christ. It's about the comfort of Christ. We give it, we get it, and so we can give it. But it's all about him and what he's given to us. So when Peter says for the elders to serve, not because they must, but out of a willing heart, he's giving a principle of the Christian life. We're not in this because we feel coerced. We're in this because we are in a relationship with the living God who has called us into his service. We are called to give feet to the gospel. And that everything that we do flows from those gospel principles that define who we are. We've been given the love of Christ so that love can be the motivating force behind the life of faith. That's what Peter is saying, But he goes on for a second, speaking of a second motivation. And he said, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Now of all the challenges that call us to go against the values of our culture, I believe this one is one of the most powerful. For when a person accepts any role of leadership, the ultimate question is not, What's in it for me? What am I going to gain? How will it affect my business, my reputation, my bank account, my future? And again here, the motivation is love, being eager to serve. And what makes us eager to serve is the love and the calling that we have received from God. Folks, this is what Our strategic vision a couple of years ago called our attention to something that we probably knew already and that is that First Presbyterian Church is a consumer driven church now I understand that I'm speaking in generalities here but we are a consumer driven church And a consumer driven church is one that asks this question first and foremost what's in it for me? I want to go to a church where I can be served. In a consumer driven church, the vast majority of the work in the church is done by a relatively few people. A true shepherd is not looking for status. He's not asking what's in it for me and neither should that be the motive as we come to church and as we serve Christ. But here again folks, the leaders are just the role models. This is not something confined to the leadership of the church. The church itself is to become counterculture and our motives for service. Not for greed, not for gain but because we find joy in the things that we do. And then the third one He says, not lording it over the flock, but being an example. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to shepherd the flock and have that kind of responsibility, you're not to do it in a heavy-handed, bossy, and harsh way. In other words, don't abuse your authority. Now, from time to time, uh, I have been called to minister to victims of spiritual abuse. And often it happens in a context in a church where people have gone to church and been subjected to constant criticism, public shame. They were beat down with guilt and offered very little grace. If you've ever been down that road, you know how painful it can be. Well, leaders are called to be living examples of the gospel. They're called to lead with sensitivity and wisdom in grace. And I ask you, where are people going to discover that grace if they don't discover it here? They're not going to find it in corporate America. There's no grace there that's not based on love. There's no humility. It's a doggy dog world. Many of you know that. So where are they going to find it? We are to be living examples of the reality of the kingdom of God. In the world out there, you may be manipulated. You may be cast aside and rejected and lied to. But not here. Not here. Here is where the kingdom of God exists. Especially in how we relate to one another. Now in verse 5, Peter sort of switches gear and he addresses now the younger people in the church and the word and directive that he gives to the youth of the church is this be submissive to those who are older now to some people when they read that it might sound like that what Peter is saying is young people Just shut up and do what you're told. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I think the heart of the message is not shut up and do what you're told. It's hear the message and learn from the example. Let me explain. The health of a congregation depends upon leaders who model the faith. Who serve as examples. But what good is an example if no one cares to listen and no one wants to follow? The young people in the church need to be mentored. They need to have someone show them how to live out the faith, how to treat your wife, how to be a good parent and raise children, how to handle temptations, how to deal with the struggles of life. And if the church is going to have an impact, it's going to have to have youth who are willing to learn the faith from those who are older and who will grow themselves to mentor a new generation of youth. You see, you cannot give what you do not have. If no one has ever mentored you, if no one has ever showed you, how are you going to impact others? And young people, that is why God has called you to be submissive. Because one day, you're going to be the elder. You're going to be the mentor. You're going to be the example. And you can't be it if you haven't done it. You can't give it if you don't have it. So there must be this attitude of submissiveness, a willingness and an eagerness to learn. And then thirdly, Peter addresses here the entire church. He says, for all of you, clothe yourselves with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, what does it mean to clothe yourself with humility? When's the last time you saw that in a job interview? We are to clothe ourselves humility to understand that what we do is look out into the world and see what the world is telling us about the way we ought to live. And what do we hear? We hear things like believe in ourselves. To your own self be true. Trust your own abilities. Be the captain of your own ship. And listen to this one. You can do anything you want to do. Heard that one? Well, if you just put your mind to it, well, folks, excuse the phrase, that's as American as apple pie. You can do anything. But you see, God's way is for us to live with a sanctified distrust of ourselves. Living God's way is not to trust yourself, but is to open yourself to the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, especially as it comes through the disciplines, the care, and the teachings of the church. It's to understand that you don't have all the answers, and you just can't do anything that you want to do. And I submit that we will never, you will never find a healthy, spiritually thriving church without humility why because it is humility that teaches us to see, to see how much we need one another before i close this morning i would like to raise one other question and that is why should i and why should you desire to be so counterculture in The way that we serve in the world. When the world goes totally the other way. What motivation do we have. For going against all that we're exposed to in the world. And I want to say it's because the gospel demands it. What's at stake is the gospel itself. The gospel tells us. That we have a God who himself exemplifies these characteristics. Loving, submissive, and humble. And this principle allows us to be able to live out the gospel in our relationships when we understand that God is calling us to be like him. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. The gospel is first of all about a God who cares. He cares about you enough to be your shepherd. And this is what the gospel tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel begins with a God who cares. And when he tells you and he tells me to care, it's because he himself cares. It's the core of the gospel. And then there's submission. Jesus, our Lord, died on a cross in submission to the will of the Father. And before his death, Jesus came face to face with the power of evil. And he struggled all the way to the cross saying, Let this cup pass from me, Lord. Let this curse that I'm enduring leave. But not my will, but thine be done. Humility. He learned it. Submission. And then we find that Paul says that even though being in the very nature of God, he left the glory of heaven and took the form of a servant. You ever thought about what that took? To leave the glory of heaven and become a slave, a servant to this decaying world? Humility, caring, submission, humility. He took that form of a servant to be your shepherd. And that's why we sing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. The healthy church is a gospel-driven church. A healthy church is one who is living out the principles of the gospel in all of our relationships. Now I realize that we're probably not going to change the the culture in which we live. All the statistics show that our culture is becoming more and more permissive. But what we can do is change ourselves. We can't change what's out there, but we can change what's in here. And by doing that, we have the best chance of bringing the gospel to the world. So what does that culture look like? What does a healthy church look like in one in which we care about one another? One in which we live in submission to the Holy Spirit and to each other? And in all of our relationships, we maintain a posture of humility. I ask, how are your relationships today? Do they need some attention? Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. How committed are you this morning to the body in which you serve? What are those relationships like? How involved are you with the people of God? This might not change the world, but what we do can adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ so that sinners will see how great is our God. Let us pray. Lord, in all of our relationships, we bow before your word. We thank you for guiding us into proper relationships with one another. We thank you for the way that we can care for one another and submit to one another, for the way we can live out the gospel and become a countercultural movement in the world in which we live. Help us, Lord, in all of those relationships to be gospel-driven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Would you like to explore membership at First Presbyterian Church? Join us for a new member weekend and discover how we worship and live out our faith with each other and our community. The weekend consists of three sessions taking place on Friday evening, Saturday morning, and Sunday afternoon. You'll enjoy a meal with our senior pastor and other leaders. Learn what we believe and hear about our vision. Child care is available. Register today at firstpressgreenville.org.